Welcome to Deep Dive Radio. I'm your host, Alan James. This show is dedicated to revealing the truth that lies beneath the surface. Are you ready for the truth? Then join me now for another exciting episode of Deep Dive Radio. Good morning. It's Sunday, August 6, 10 a.m. This is episode 27, A Genius Doctor versus Bozo the Clown. All right. The censorship phenomenon over the past three years, in my view, has been more frightening than any pseudo-virus could ever hope to be, or any climate change for that matter. Literally thousands upon thousands of doctors and scientists were being censored and stripped of their not only their licenses, but scrubbed off every possible platform, social media, everywhere. Basically, they were silenced and called quacks. Today, I want to talk about one doctor in particular. This doctor is an extraordinarily brilliant man with numerous awards and publications that have no doubt helped the world become a better place during his sojourn on this planet. But if you mention his name to the brainwash who depend on mainstream media for their science education, they're always going to write him off as a crazed lunatic. And they're always so cocksure of themselves. I recently ran across a YouTube rant by a young doctor who took it upon himself to be the voice of the fact-checking society of idiots. And it's obvious to me that this guy, who happens, by the way, to resemble Bozo the Clown, thus the title, never took time to research the man that he was fact-checking. It's obvious. He just simply took a clip of cherry-picked statements and spun them to make the doctor look like a quack while he stuck his chest of authority out. So I chimed in, in the comment area there, and I said, you know, instead of being a coward and attacking the good doctor without him being here to defend himself, why don't you take the doctor's long-running challenge for anyone to debate him anytime, anywhere on the subject of science? And then I ended it by saying, I think I know the answer. You know you will lose. Well, I never did hear back from the young know-it-all. And I suspect he's now hiding under his bed, afraid that the good doctor will challenge him to a debate. Anyway, I'd like to read an excerpt from a recent video podcast that the doctor in question made. I will, for now, keep his name anonymous just to avoid any preconceived notions that might tarnish his words in advance, if you know what I mean. All right, here it goes. You will no doubt be aware that the idea of forcing people to be vaccinated is back in the news. I think it's time to look at the background to what is happening. To start with, of course, it's important to remember that the World Health Organization, whose enthusiasm for forced vaccination and the abuse of patients all around the world, is a sign of their collective wickedness and ignorance, is linked with the United Nations in the same way that Donald Trump is linked to his hair. You can't have one without the other. So we need some vitally important background. When the American president, Theodore Roosevelt, had the idea for the United Nations early during the Second World War and wrote the outline for Churchill to approve, there was a lot of fancy rhetoric about human rights and religious freedom. However, no one involved in the UN's formation doubted that the clear, single aim was to create an organization which would lead us directly to a world government. That is what they said. That is what they planned. As written by Roosevelt and his aides, the UN Charter excluded de Gaulle's France so as not to upset Germany and made the United States the first among so-called equals. It's worth remembering, by the way, that one of the men responsible for the UN was John J. McCloy, 
a former president of the World Bank, a Wall Street insider, a former partner in law firm which represented the American portion of IG Farben. Look them up if you haven't heard of them. McCloy was a Nazi sympathizer. While helping set up the UN, McCloy used the influence to stop the U.S. Air Force bombing Auschwitz, not because he worried about killing the prisoners, but because he knew how crucial the concentration camp was to German industry. McCloy, who was at the time the Assistant Secretary of War, claimed that bombing the gas chambers at Auschwitz might annoy the Germans and provoke them into vindictive actions. Some found it difficult to understand precisely what vindictive actions he had in mind. And it was, however, McCloy's actions after the war which helped create the European Union. If you want to know more about that, read The Shocking History of the EU by Zena Cohen. After the war, McCloy became U.S. High Commissioner for West Germany, where in addition to releasing many industrialists who had been sentenced for war crimes, he also arranged for Nazi camp doctors and SS officers to be released or to have their sentences substantially reduced. As soon as McCloy had arranged for their release, the executives from IG Farben quickly rejoined German companies, such as Deutsche Bank, Alan Dulles, John Foster Dulles, and General Patton, all wanted the Germans to control Europe as a bulwark against the Soviet Union. It was mainly due to McCloy that Schmitz, Krupp, and the war criminals received no punishment at all, or the sort of punishment usually regarded as suitable for small-time motoring offenders. There was a reason for all this. It was war criminals released by McCloy who helped found the European Union, and early steps towards the planned world government. Incredibly, McCloy even arranged for Krupp's to be pardoned, and his record as a war criminal expunged, even though Krupp's industrial empire had controlled slave laborers in 57 concentration camps. Astonishingly, McCloy even ordered that all Krupp's property, which had been confiscated after the war, be restored to him so that he suffered not at all. And it was McCloy who helped the Nazis set up the European Union after the end of World War II. This slight detour into the world of the nauseating McCloy is important because it helps define the sort of men who set up the United Nations. And they were all men, by the way. Hillary Clinton was in a force at the time. The Communist Party instructed its members that great popular support and enthusiasm for the United States policies should be built up, well-organized, and fully articulate. But it is also necessary to do more than that. The opposition must be rendered so impotent that it will be unable to gather any significant support in the Senate against the United Nations Charter and the treaties which will follow. And so, the Communist Party was supporting, endorsing, and promoting an organization, the United Nations, which had been set up by a bunch of American bankers. It's crucial to remember and never forget that a Professor Carol Quigley said, The powers of financial capitalism had a far-reaching plan, nothing less than to create a world system of financial control in private hands able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. Quigley, of course, was the author of one of the most important books of the 20th century, Tragedy and Hope, a 1,300-page book published in 1966. And it's vital to remember that nothing that has happened in the last 100 years has been by accident. Everything has been carefully planned. The wars, the man-made climate change hoax, the endless fake pandemics, the corruption, the appeasement, the political deceits, the subsidized writing, the recessions, and the political coups. 
They've all been part of a carefully designed, well-orchestrated plot to replace sovereign governments with a world government run by financers, bankers, very rich people, and obedient, greedy hypocrites such as Obama, Clinton, and Blair. The one thing they all have in common is that they should all be awaiting trial for war crimes. The UN peacekeeping force, which was set up in response to Richard Nixon, was the first step towards the world government. It was back in 1950 that the congressman Richard Nixon introduced a resolution calling for the establishment of the United Nations police force. But the United Nations didn't limit itself to a police force. Psychologists, behavioral scientists, agronomists, and others were employed to work out ways to control people. Right at the beginning of the UN's life, there were plans to reduce the size of the world's population and to enforce sterilization. It has, of course, been reported that some widely promoted vaccination programs were actually designed to reduce fertility. There are also plans to destroy local police forces, to destroy local health care and education programs, and to make sure that all citizens handed in their guns, to encourage citizens everywhere to accept the idea of a more state control. It was decided that rioters should be allowed to disrupt towns and cities all over the world, ostensibly campaigning against racism, climate change, and other issues. The other stuff which most people associate with the UN and which encourages celebrities to work with their various programs is all window dressing, all done to make people think the UN is a peace-loving, decent organization run by good, kind people with honest intentions. In practice, of course, the United Nations is quite possibly the most evil organization devised by man, and the army of vastly overpaid and undertaxed renegades who work for it are traitors to mankind and will one day pay the price for their perfidy. That's the background, which, God willing, I shall return to another day. Sadly, most people don't realize how well everything ties together. The mainstream media never mentions this stuff, and the Internet is awash with CIA-sponsored control opposition on the Internet, including self-styled preppers selling us enough freeze-dried cabbage to last us 30 years so that we can survive the inevitable nuclear blasts. The preppers are effectively spreading the word that we have lost everything and that there is nothing we can do to defend or protect ourselves. I fear that the underlying aim of all this prepping garbage may be to make us believe that there is nothing we can do to stop the conspirators, and so we might as well just lie back and get ready to enjoy our stocks of freeze-dried cabbage. What is worrying me at the moment is the resurrected, revised plan to force everyone on earth to accept a barrage of vaccinations, to be jabbed with a whole sequence of jabs which don't do what they are supposed to do, but which do kill people, make them infertile, and create new illnesses. And of course, the plot to vaccinate everyone comes from the World Health Organization. And the refreshed plan for global dominance via the needle was slipped out quietly while the mainstream media remains obsessed with the trivial activities of a bunch of Z-list celebrities and minor royals, and occasionally with the latest in a series of designer wars created by American conspirators and their friends in NATO. As an aside, the latest war in Ukraine is, of course, part of the drive, organized by the far left, the neoliberals, and the billionaires who finance them, towards forming and controlling a tyrannical world government which will be happily accepted by the weary masses, who are exhausted by the constant storm of depressing news, all promoted by the ignorant, the unimaginative, and the newly insane and designed to take us straight into the Great Reset, complete with wall-to-wall -wall social credits, digital currencies, 
and an entirely digital world. The sort of digital world now being put into practice by Aldi, a German company which has a shop where you can't buy food unless you've got the app on your phone. Actually, they won't even let you into the shop unless you have their app on the smartphone. They can bugger off because we don't want them or their apps. Anyone who has an app and shops at Aldi is a traitor. There are people around who still don't realize this, but the World Health Organization is the terrorist wing of the United Nations. And for the last three years, it has spread lies and fear with relentless enthusiasm. The WHO's job is to terrify the public and adapt the truth to suit the needs of the conspirators pushing for global power and world government. The WHO is an essential weapon in the UN's armory. It has nothing whatsoever to do with health, but it is a plain and simple terrorist group and a vital part of a global conspiracy which is taking us remorselessly into the new world order and dragging us down into the Great Reset. The WHO is planning to bring a dangerous and unnecessary program of compulsory vaccination, all untested and dangerous. Disingenuous, as always, and their jackbooted commie collaborators will say, of course, that the vaccinations aren't compulsory, and that if you don't want to buy food or electricity, have a bank account, keep a job, or leave your home, you won't need a vaccination certificate. Of course, if you don't want to buy food and electricity, have a job, leave your home, and generally stay alive, then you'll need all the jabs. But as the loathsome Trudeau would probably say, they won't be compulsory. They think we're all stupid, and the tragedy is that they are nearly right. Most people are stupid, and most people accept everything they're told by the WHO, an organization now infamous for its links with the vaccine lobbyist Bill Gates, a man with close links with the cuddly trio of the BBC, The Guardian, and Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein is probably the only one of the three who's still alive. In March 2020, over three years ago, I warned that they would introduce compulsory vaccination. If you listen carefully, you can still hear the sniggers and the abuse I received at the time. Totalitarian regimes have always introduced compulsory vaccination programs. Though they've never before been planned globally and they've always failed. I also warned about digital money and the rest of the plan. Today there is no need for any more evidence proving the vaccines don't do what they're supposed to do and aren't safe. But we should push for debate, not just to embarrass them, but because people will see that they are refusing to back up their claims and defend their lies. I will meet all the experts the BBC can find in a live TV studio. I will prove that COVID-19 was never a major threat to mankind and the so-called pandemic was a fake. I will prove that COVID-19 did not cause an avalanche of deaths. I will prove that COVID-19 killed no more people than the ordinary flu. I will prove that COVID-19 vaccine did not provide the protection it was said to provide and was never as safe as politicians, doctors, and journalists claimed it to be and that it is a toxic pharmaceutical product which was wrongly promoted. I will prove that lockdowns were never necessary and did far more harm than good. I will prove that masks were never necessary or safe and did more harm than good. I will prove that the PCR test was useless and used to enable the authorities to falsify their COVID figures. As the author of the world's best-selling book on vaccines, I would love to debate with the WHO's experts, but they won't, of course. Maybe another TV network will have employees with the guts to take me on. I bet the viewing figures would be massive. I'm prepared to risk everything because I am confident I know the truth. Those were the words of a brilliant doctor.
So all you pseudo-doctors and bozo-doctors, why don't you take him up on his challenge if you think you know more than him? That's all the time we got. See you next Sunday. So long now. Did you notice there's no advertisements on Deep Dive Radio? That's because I don't want corporate sponsors telling us what to say and what to cover. So that's why we rely on listeners like you for our funding on Deep Dive Radio. If you want to hear the truth that lies beneath the surface, then go to deepdiveradio.com and donate now.